Today our world is consumed with the subject of love. At least it thinks that it is, but if you'll think about that, uh, most of the movies today, they're about love. Uh, the Hallmark Channel, it's an entire channel dedicated to that. Uh, let me tell you about the plot to their movies. The plot looks like this. They are going to love each other, and then they're not going to love each other because there's a problem, either at the bakery or the orphanage, <laughs> and then they do love each other, and it snows. There's the plot to all of their movies. Uh, think about the subjects of our movies. Think about the subjects of most of our TV shows. Think about the subject of most of our songs. In our songs, people are either finding love, cheating on their love, or losing their love. The Beatles said, you can't buy me love. And Nazareth said, love hurts. Elvis said he couldn't help falling in love. Whitney Houston said, I will always love you. And Lionel Richie found an endless love. The Bee Gees wondered, how deep is your love? Air supply, sadly, was all out of love. Uh, Lady Gaga is in stupid love. I believe that. <laughs> Foreigner said, I want to know what love is. Roxette said, it must have been love. It must have been gone. Uh, Ray Price had a faded love. Stevie Wonder, he just called to say that he loves you. Uh, White Snake wants to know, is this love? Tina Turner says, what's love even got to do with it? Uh, Robert Palmer is addicted to love. And then George Jones had, not COVID, he had the love bug. <laughs> Think about how much of our attention is given to the subject of love. Well, here's the question, what is love? Now, that's also a song from 1992, what is love? Uh, but the question is, what is Love. Well, today in our verses, today as we continue moving, uh, we're going to see just that. Our message this morning is entitled, True Love. True Love. We've moved to the 13th chapter, John chapter 13, verses 1 through 11. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 11. True Love. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. John chapter 13, beginning in the first verse, and it says this. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During the supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of, the son of Simon, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel which was girded. So he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason he said, 
Not all of you are clean. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Great Father, we come today. We're thankful for you. We truly are thankful for you. We rejoice in you today. Lord, we come and we're thankful for our Savior, Jesus. And it's, it's Jesus that we celebrate today. It's Jesus whose name we lift up today. Lord, I, I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for the fellowship of believers that we can come and, and sing and praise and laugh and fellowship and grow in you. Lord, I pray that's the point. I pray that we are bringing honor to you as we grow in the truth of your word, your knowledge. Lord, I pray now at this time that you would speak to us, that you would lead us, that it'll be a supernatural movement of God, not a normal thing, not just an hour to pass through on this Sunday morning, but a supernatural event when you spoke to your people. Lord, I pray that you'd prepare us for that. We prepare our hearts. We'd seek your forgiveness for our sin. We would open our ears and we'd be ready to listen. And I pray, Lord, that your word would bear fruit in our hearts today. Lord, I pray for some that do not know you. And I believe many that do not know you. I pray that in the hearing of this message, in the hearing of our Savior, that today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, we do praise you and worship you and celebrate you this morning. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Again, today in our study in John, we are walking with Jesus by means of his word through the last week before his sacrificial death on the cross of Calvary. I believe on this journey with Jesus, if we are careful to look, if we are deliberate to listen, every step, every word is loaded with meaning. What a privilege it is for us to walk through these days with Jesus approaching the cross of our salvation. In our study called So Loved, in these 57, now 58 sermons, I have come to be reassured, I've come to solidly believe that the master theme of the Bible, the highlight of God's revelation of himself, and the centerpiece of the gospel is the love of God. I think that is the thing that we see. I think that that's the thing that God wants us to be certain of. He so loves. Our God is love, and our God so loves. Well, if God so loves, and if he goes to great lengths to show us his love, and if he calls us likewise to love, well, then the natural question is, so what is true love? What is True love. Today, I believe, again, in our verses, we're going to see the answer to that. What is true love? All right, we're going to go to our verses. Now, again, moving into the 13th chapter, starting in verse 1. It says this. Now, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Understand this morning, this is the last Passover, the last true Passover. Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's in the city to die as the Lamb of God for the sins of the world. He is actually the last Passover Lamb, the true Passover Lamb. On this occasion, he has sent some of his disciples to prepare this meal. He is eating with all of them, with all of his disciples, 
And he will use this occasion to teach them and to train them and really to talk to them before he leaves for the cross. These, understand, literally are some of the last actions and the last words of Jesus before the events of his terrible cross. And so that's what we're listening to today. That's, that's what we're peering into today. Some of the last actions and last words of Jesus before the event of his cross. John, who was at the dinner, is our witness. Now, I want you to think about that for just a moment. These words, these words that we have just read, these words that we are looking at are the words of a person actually at the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. Isn't that something? These words are the actual words of an actual person that was at the Lord's Supper. And so he is our witness today. He writes... Jesus, knowing his hour had come. Again, this is the hour of his death. It is the time of his death, but be sure not just any death. It is going to be the most agonizing, most terrible, most gruesome death imaginable. Jesus knows that his hour had come. He knows it is that hour. And the Bible says, having loved his own who were in the world... He loved them to the end. And that's the first thing we see this morning, and that is this. The situation of true love is not conditional. That's the first thing we see. The situation of true love is not conditional. Understand this morning, true love is not based upon the situation that is going on. It is not based upon how you are feeling. It's not based upon the things that you are facing. It is not determined by a condition. Listen this morning, if there was ever a reason to be self-focused, if there was ever a time to be self-driven, if there was ever an event that we excuse not showing love, this would be that event. But John records here, knowing that hour, certain of that hour, knowing what he was faced squarely with, the truth is this, in that hour, Jesus loves. True love is not conditional. Isn't that what the world thinks? If you'll do this, if things are, are what I want, if they're like I would like them to be, if the time is right, then I will love the situation of true love is not conditional. The second thing we see already in our verses is the test of true love is longevity. The test of true love is longevity. Verse 1, it says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them, having loved them, he loved them to the end. Now, the Greek word for end here means to completion. It means to perfection. It means it was fulfilled. It means that it did not fall short, that it did not stop short. He loved until perfection. He loved until completion. That is the test of true love. The world's love goes along until it's inconvenient. The, the world's love goes along until it's too costly. The world's love goes along until your whim changes or you decide to change directions. 
Well, understand in the example of Jesus, what Jesus started in love, Jesus finished in love. The, tr- the test of true love is longevity. One of my favorite things to see is a long married couple that are still working at it. A long married couple, and they're still serving the other person, and there is security there, and there is safety there, and there is joy in their midst. How marvelous to be able to finish what you started. The test of true love is longevity. All right, back to our verses in verse 2. During supper, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. Now, understand, Jesus knew Judas has already sold out. His heart, we've seen this, is bitter toward Jesus. It is growing in that that bent. His heart is full of hatred for Jesus, and he is there at the dinner. He's eating the dinner, but he has already decided, he's already made up his mind to betray Jesus. Now, it says the devil's put that in his heart. Let me ask you this. Did the devil make him do it? Sometimes we say, well, the devil made us do it. I didn't have a choice. The devil made me do it. Let me tell you, the answer is no. You see, he opened himself up to the leading of the devil. He was listening to the leading of the devil. He rejected the truth of Christ. He had heard it. He had seen all the miracles. He rejected the truth of Christ. And so Satan seized the opportunity to find somebody who's close to Jesus but it was Judas's decision. Verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God. Verse 3 tells us that Jesus was confident, Jesus was certain, God's plan is unfolding. If you didn't know that, you'd start to, to scramble around, you'd start to wonder what's going on. He is confident God's plan is unfolding, that he has come from God, that he is shortened to go back to God, that he is safe in the plan of God. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, verse 4, got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself. They are at supper. Jesus stops. Jesus stands up. He steps back. He takes off his outer cloak, his outer garment, and he takes a towel and he tucks it into his belt. It is hanging from him. He is literally wearing the towel. Verse 5. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Verse 5 says that he now begins to one by one wash and then dry the disciples' feet. That brings us to the next point. That is this. The mark of true love is service. The mark of true love is service. Now, we know this is so counter to the world. The world says that love fulfills me. That love is focused on me. That love is centered on me. And I will love you as long as it blesses me. As long as it pleases me. As long as it helps me. 
Well, the mark of true love, the Bible says, is service. The Greek word for love, we've looked at it many times, agape, agapeo here, it, it translates to serve at the cost of self. Now, I want you to think about that. That is the definition of Christian love, to serve at the cost of self. That is the New Testament Christian expression of love. It is to serve at the expense of yourself. Now, if you think about that, it is not an emotion. It is not a feeling. It's not something you could fall into. It is an action, and it is deliberate. It is thought out, and then it is carried out. True love is service of someone at the cost, the expense of self. Let me tell you something this morning. That's not going to sell many records. That's not going to be in many movie plots. And most likely, it's not going to snow after you do it. And yet, that is the mark of true love. That is the mark of true love. True love serves at the cost of self. Then there's the next thing, and this is, I think, the biggest one that hit me. The next thing is this, the requirement of true love. The requirement of true love. Now, the question is, what does true love require? You're seeking true love. What would it require? What does it take for true love to exist? How do you know one who truly loves? The requirement of true love is humility. The requirement of true love is humility. I want you to see this. Go with me. They walked everywhere in this day. It was on dirt roads. There were dusty trails. They wore sandals. If it was hot, their feet were sweating, and their feet were filthy. Well, when they got to a house, when they went into a house, and especially for the occasion of a meal, the custom was for the lowest slave to wash the guest's feet. It was a position, it was a job of no honor. The, the lowest ranking slave, it wasn't just any slave, it wasn't, hey, there's a slave. No, it was the lowest ranking slave would do this, this job, uh, this great job that would require humility. Picture this. People you know and people you don't even know, you washed their feet and then you dried their feet. Well, if there was no slave, listen to this, the custom was if there's no slave in the house for the lowest status house guests to assume the job. Now, they, they would sit with their feet reclining near the table while they ate. It was a needed job. It had to be done. And so if there was not a slave there, the lowest-ranking house guests will do it. Well, see what's happened here. The disciples have come. He said, make way the dinner. Make ready the dinner. The disciples have come. They've all sat down at the table, and there is no slave. And so they wait on the one to do it. Who's going to do it? And they're all sitting down. Surely it's not going to be me. 
And I imagine if they're like us, they start to think of somebody that should do it. Well, they should do it. I'm not going to do it. They start to imagine somebody across the table. Maybe they're looking at them. Are they going to get up? What's wrong with them? Are they going to get up? Somebody should do it, and they're waiting. It's not going to be me. They're staring at each other. It's not, it's not going to be me. Come on. Who's going to do it? I, I don't know. It's not going to be me. Who's going to do it? I'm not the least. I'll not stoop down that low. And as they're sitting there waiting, Jesus, knowing that he is God, knowing that he is the Savior going back to glory, that's what verse 3 said, he got up, he takes his cloak off, he takes a towel and he tucks it into his belt. I wonder if they're staring. Why didn't he get up? Why didn't you get up? And one by one, Jesus starts washing the dirt and the grime and the stink off of the disciples' feet. And then Jesus dries their feet with a towel that he's actually wearing that hangs off of him. The requirement of true love, listen to me, is real humility. It is to set your pride down. It is to set your perceived rights down. It is to humble yourself. You will not serve others. That's the mark of true love. If you do not have true humility, I want you to be certain of something today. Be sure pride and true love cannot coexist. Pride will wreck your relationships. Pride will wreck your marriage. And only in the existence of true humility will you ever find true love. Our modern world says, and it's on the talk shows, it's in the books we read, the magazines that are put out. Our modern world says, you got to watch out for number one. It says, you deserve the best. You deserve the best. It's all about you. Our modern world says, you can do better. My lands, you can do better. You don't deserve this. Our modern world says, you don't have to put up with this. You didn't deserve this. And in the absence of true humility, love will not last. In fact, it may not ever even be found in the first place. The requirement of true love is humility. Verse 6. So he came to Simon Peter he said to him, Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Watch this in verse 6. Peter didn't get up. Peter didn't get up. Peter wasn't washing anybody's feet. But now he says, Lord, you'll wash mine. Look at him trying to give himself a position. Lord, you'll wash mine. He didn't let John do it. He didn't let Thomas do it. He didn't let Matthew do it. He's better than them. But now he speaks up. And he piously says, Lord, you'll wash my feet. The next thing is this. The threat to true love is hypocrisy. The threat to true love is hypocrisy. Now, hypocrisy means having one face but putting on another face. That is, that is what hypocrisy is. It is being pretend. It is being fake. It is being a poser. True love, self-sacrificing love done in humility, listen, has no room for hypocrisy. And that's what Peter's posing here as he says, not, no, not you, Jesus. 
I'm not better than you. I'm better than all of them, but not you. Here's the thing about fake people professing fake love. You watch it. It always comes out. The truth always comes out under stress. I'm just going to tell you that. You can, you can be fake. You can be pretend and you can profess fake love, but it always comes out under stress. And you, you want to see true love? You watch somebody that's under stress. You watch somebody when the cost gets high. You watch somebody when they have a prognosis and it doesn't look like there's going to be any help or any hope. You watch somebody and they're there and they're serving and there's nobody to see it, nobody that can repay them, nobody to can brag on them, and yet they still serve. And it hurts them, it costs them, but they still serve. And they can't understand the situation. They wish it, wish it were better, but they still serve. There's no... Room for pretend in true love. And when the stress is applied, it'll show up. The threat to true love is hypocrisy. The threat to true love is hypocrisy. Verse 7. Jesus answered and said to him, What I do, you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Verse 8. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you'll have no part of me. Verse 9, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Understand right here, this is talking about the cross. Jesus says, you see this, and it makes you uncomfortable. You see this, it's backwards, it's absurd. You see this, you do not understand now, but but this is what he is showing them. This is what he's showing Peter to, to save you, to clean you, I'm willing to humble myself. To save you, to clean you, I'm willing to give up my status and my rank. To save you, I'm willing to take on the filth and the stink and the repulsion of your sin. And in that humility, in true love, I serve you. That's what the cross is. He says, I serve you. Jesus is telling them, in your sin, condemned in your sin, lost in your sin, I exist for you. I give myself for you. Though the cost is high, though the cost will be total, I serve you because I love you. That brings us to this. The example of true love is Jesus. The example of true love is Jesus. Friends, I want, I want to tell you that's what this whole thing's about. That's what this whole thing's about. 58 sermons, I imagine all 100 of them. That's what this whole thing's about. The gospel of Jesus Christ. This whole thing is about this. He so loves you and he so loves me that he humbles himself and he takes on the flesh of the people that he created. He comes in humility, and he takes on our filth. He takes on our dirt, our sin. The Bible says he even becomes it. And though he is the highest ranking, he takes the place, the Bible says in Philippians, of the lowest slave. 
And he comes and he serves at his own cost and he serves at his own peril, dying our death that we would be clean. Listen, if you want to know what love is, don't look to the world. If you want to know what love is, there's not an expert that can explain it. If you want to know what love is, it is Jesus. He so loves us. The example of true love is Jesus. Verses 10 and 11. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but it's completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you, verse 11. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. Notice something in the account. He washed all of their feet. He dried all of their feet. Even Judas, the one whose feet will lead the executioners to him, the feet that walk in hatred and rejection of him, the feet that will betray him to the world, he washes even them, he dries even them. I wonder about that event. Jesus bends down at Judas's feet. He knows he's already sold him out. He knows the deal he's made. He's about to complete it. There he is. And, and Jesus bends down. He's the lowest of slaves. He takes the job that nobody wanted. He begins to wash his feet. Wonder, does Judas look away? Does he look away? Does he find something else to look at? Does he act like he can't see him? I wonder, is he bold enough to look at Jesus? Is he bold enough to just look at him? That brings us to the last point. The danger of true love is rejection. The danger of true love is rejection. You see, you can't control others' responses. I wish you could, but you can't do it. You, you can't make somebody love you. You can't somebody make somebody repay the love that you give. And you can pour yourself out in humility. You can serve with all that you have. You can serve with all that you are. You can totally, truly love somebody. And even then, they can reject you. That's the danger. Oh, but I want you to see this. What does true love do? What did Jesus do? True love, even then, goes all in, goes all out, and loves anyway. We're seeing the love of our Savior. Do you see that love? Maybe these, they were wrong. They didn't, take, they didn't do what they should have done. Maybe these, but this guy's going to betray him. This guy's heart is filled with hatred. He's going he's to turn him in. True love does it anyway. True love does it anyway. Oh, our Savior's love. That is our Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come and we're thankful for this truth. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for love that we can know in the person of Jesus. We're thankful for love that's been shown to us in a, in, a, in a cross where our sins are paid for. We're thankful for your love extended to us in forgiveness, reconciliation, redemption in you. 
So Lord, we thank you for your love. We're thankful for our Savior. Lord, I pray that today we would come and I pray that we would hear how loving you are. I pray for believers that we would leave here even more astounded this morning with the great love of our Savior, Jesus. And Lord, I pray for those that do not know you. I pray that today they see you and they hear of your love and they turn and in faith they would receive that love. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in both of those responses. I know you will be. We give this time to you. We ask that you move in it. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to end today with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I, I want to tell you, that truly is our Savior's love. That is how much he loves. He so loves you that he sees you stuck, dying, perishing, struggling, drowning in your sin. He, he so loves you that he sends his only begotten son to come and to pay the price, the penalty of your redemption, your salvation from that sin. You didn't earn it. I didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We deserve the opposite. But he so loves that he comes and he does it anyway. He goes to the cross. He pays for it there. He takes the wrath of God poured out on my sin and your sin. He pays for it in his own blood. He dies on the cross of Calvary. He's placed in a grave dead, paying the ultimate price in death. Three days later, he walks out of the grave and he's alive and he stands as the victor. And in him for sinners, there's hope. In him for sinners, there's salvation, the forgiveness of our sin. The Bible says if we will call upon him, if we will trust him, if we will turn to him and receive him in faith, we shall be saved. That is the good news of our great God. That is the good news of our gospel that we are so loved. If you will turn to him today, you shall be saved. If you've never trusted Jesus, do it today. Settle it today. If you're here and you follow Christ, but you've never followed on believer's baptism, it's an important thing. And we want to give you an opportunity as well to come and say, yes, I've trusted Jesus, but I've never followed on believer's baptism as Christ has commanded. And I want that testimony to, to stand. I want to celebrate that testimony. You come as well. We'll set a day. It'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're here looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here to this fellowship. You come as well. Together we'll serve his cause, upholding his word for his glory until he comes again. If God has led you in that, you come as well. Maybe on this day you want to come and just pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me, whatever issue you're facing. Nothing is too big, nothing is too great, nothing is too small. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about, no one would head for an exit, but you would pray for those that are making decisions. So we stand and sing, if God has spoken to you, you step out and you come on, I'll meet you here.